You are now listening to an audio broadcast from First International Christian Fellowship. Get plugged in by visiting our website, ficfreno.com. Father, we thank you once again, Lord God, for bringing us here tonight to be able to worship you with our songs, with our prayers. And now, Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord God, to learn more about you, your will for us and your, your love for us, Lord God, and how we should live for you. Father, I pray for the eyes of the hearts of your people here tonight. Let your Holy Spirit, Father, in them, Father, give them the clarity of your message. Father, may you move them, Lord, to that next level of obedience, Father, of intimacy with you, Lord God. Father, I pray for that soul who has not accepted you as their Lord. I pray, Lord God, that this will be the evening. We'll finally surrender and accept you as their Lord. Father, I pray, Lord God, that I will not get in your way as you deliver your message to your people. Use me as your vessel, Lord God. Override my preparations. Let you and you alone speak to everyone tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Good evening. All right. Better, better, better. Praise God. All right. We are still in the second book of Corinthians. That's we're still doing our, our journey. Um, but as you probably already figured out, I don't actually do it how you would expect it. Uh, it's because you can blame it on God because I pray to him and I tell him, Lord, well, how do you want me to deliver your message? So thinking that I was going to be done with chapter 3 tonight, I only got through, we're going to go through three verses. But don't let, don't let that deceive you. As you look in your programs, there's more verses that we're going to tackle that's, that I think is related or connected to these verses that we're going to tackle. So let's begin. I titled our message, Show Me Your Proof. I almost titled it, Show Me the Money. But then I felt like, well, you know, it has nothing to do with money. So <laughs> show me your proof. Right? When I used to get in trouble in the casinos, when we're getting in trouble, the, the, the security guards will tell us, where's your ID? <laughs> Give me your ID. Because they want to make sure you get 86 from that place. Here is, show me your proof. Show me your proof. There is this person named, and you've probably seen the movie Catch Me If You Can. This guy, uh, it's, his, it's his life that was turned into a movie bought by Steven Spielberg. Frank William Abagnale Jr. He was an expert con man. He was a check forger. He was a trickster. He pretended he, he you know, he became an airline pilot for, for one of his uh, things. And then he was a teaching assistant at BYU, although BYU denies it. Um, he was a physician. But he had to quit when he found out that it's, he could actually kill somebody because there was one time that he was called to help. They said, blue baby. And what he said was, great. I've never seen a blue baby. <laughs> so he thought, oh, you know, I think I need to quit this because I'm going to end up killing somebody. When he pretended to be a pilot, he was asked to come into the cockpit a couple times and the pilots there gave him to let him fly the plane 35,000 feet up in the air, but he was quick to press the autopilot, thinking, I can't even fly a kite. So there's, these, there's this person. He was very good, and he also became an attorney. He actually did pass the, 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 bat, the bar exam the third time he took it. So why am I bringing this guy up? Because there are people that are imposters. Some, like him, very good at it. He was a very good airline pilot. He traveled, he traveled one million miles with United Airlines, pretending to be a United Airlines pilot. So he was pretty good at what he was doing. He forged so much, so many checks, he owed 1.5 million. But then, since the country, you know how our country works, right? If you're good at something, they'll hire you. So when they finally busted him... <laughs> They hired him, so now he's the guy who catches the same people that, were, that does what he used to do. But how, do, how did he get caught? He got caught because the federal agents mastered the fact on how real checks were. 
They caught him because of the checks that he was issuing. So it's the same thing with us. It's the same thing with people who work in the bank. In order for them to find out which one is the counterfeit, they have to thousands of minutes and hours feeling and touching real money. So that the moment they touch the wrong one, they know it's a counterfeit. So for us believers, there is something too that we need to be aware of in regards to imposters. That's why we need to be able to know and to say, show me your proof. And this is where Paul, as he traveled, you'll see Paul speaking to the Corinthian church about proof, about being, about being the Corinthians as his proof of, his, of him being a genuine disciple of Christ. So let's begin. In Matthew 7, 15 to 20, be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. Recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 20 says, so you'll recognize them by their fruit. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Believers, we have to be aware of this. We have to be aware of the fact that there are, are counterfeit gospels. As much as there are counterfeit, there are false prophets. We have to be able to understand and know that they are out there. But how are you going to identify who they are and what the counterfeit gospels are if you haven't taken the time to study the word? Do we agree? If you don't know the genuine bill, there's no way for you to know a counterfeit one. It's the same with our, it's the same with our faith. We can't just be, oh, you know, it's saved by grace so long as they say that I'm good with it. There are other things. Because the same thing with the Corinthian church when they were penetrated by these false prophets, they were being bothered and Paul, Paul was quick. That's why he wrote this letter. He was telling the Corinthian church to know that they should know. That they should know that the false prophets, they should be able to tell who the false prophets are from the genuine ones. So believer, do you know? I know we're supposed to, can we all just get along line, right? right? That's, uh, Christians should be loving. Christians should be forgiving. Those are all true, but it doesn't take away the fact that there are people that are bothering, that are propagating different wrong doctrines out there that some believers, sincere believers, fall into. We have to understand that there is a need for us to identify the truth from the not. Because if everything is true, then that statement that you just made is, is wrong. Right? There can just be one truth. And if there's a black and there's a white, correct? Can't be all the same color. There's a difference. So let's get, now if you can open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We start with this. My first point is we are, we, meaning us believers, are the living proof. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Paul saying this as he, as he knows that the false prophets are him of not being genuine, that he is, he's not credible. He's not credible. So he says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again, speaking about him and his team? Or do we need, like some, speaking of the false prophets, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Because before, before they have to have those letters, those recommendations. These false prophets came up with letters from Jewish leaders telling them who they are. Basically, a referral letter. You know, saying how good they are, how educated they are, that they can be trusted, and all that stuff. Paul realizes that virtually everything he wrote or said was liable. 
to be twisted by the false teachers in Corinth. Letters of recommendation. The appearance of vagrant imposters led to the need of four letters of recommendation. Paul needed no such confirmation. But others, including the Corinthian intruders, did need authentication and often resorted to unscrupulous methods for obtaining or forging such letters. Paul, however, had reason to doubt the authenticity of their letters. Unlike the false teacher's letters, apparently it's not available for scrutiny, Paul's letters of commendation could be examined by everybody. His epistle or letter was the Corinthian believers themselves. And they were a letter written by the Spirit of God, dispatched by Christ Jesus himself. The false apostle's commendation was human. Paul's was divine. That's why he says here, you yourselves are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by everyone. We, if you call yourself a believer, you are Christ's epistle. You are God's message. More than what you're saying is what you're doing that the people are observing and are seeing. Now, does that mean you're going to be perfect? Of course not. Nobody's perfect. That's why God died on the cross. That's why God sent his son. Because he knew that we were going to screw up. But the challenge is, as Paul challenges the Corinthian believers, that if they're showing you proof of letters from human, peop- uh, human beings, you yourself should know that I am sincere. You yourself should know that I was called by God. You yourself should know that my message is from God. Now, it's the same with us. We should know that we are God's message to the world. That our lives is the proof of the message that we're saying. It can't, we can't be saying one thing and live another way. Do we agree? Yes, you probably didn't think that this was going to be about holy living message again, but it will be, and it is. It is God's will that we live our life holy and pleasing because we are his workmanship. As Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship. You are God's workmanship. So you mean to tell me the all-powerful God The Almighty God, the God that created the universe just by saying it, cannot change you? You know what? God respects your free will. That's how much He respects it. But He expects you. He expects you to be obedient to Him. Our obedience to Him should be, as, as Richard already said earlier, is a response Our walk with the Lord is a response of our love relationship with God. If there is something wrong with your obedience, there's something wrong with your love relationship with Him. Because there is no way that you can stay the same way if you let God work in you and change you. For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works. Again, good works did not save us. Amen? Grace, by grace and by grace alone. But we were saved to do good works, which God prepared ahead for us to do. In Romans 8.29, everybody knows Romans 8.28, right? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, those who are called according to His purpose. But the next verse, the 29, it says here, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you, Paul saying, I urge you. We urge you. Pastor Jules kept urging us here too. Urge you. I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice. A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to who? Not to your fellow believers, but to God. Holy and pleasing to God. Because if you are holy and pleasing to God, you're going to be holy and pleasing to everybody else. That's the truth. That's just the truth. Now, is everybody in the same boat? No. Unfortunately, the church is not on an even keel. Some people are here. Some people are down here. 
people are in the middle and they're okay in the middle because they came far from there. But at the end of the day, if we will just focus on pleasing God, we will be all at the same level. Holy and pleasing to God. Do not be conformed to this age. This is the problem of church, of our church. Now, we say we have to be a part of the world in order for us to share the gospel. Correct? No, it's wrong. We, we don't have to be part of the world. We're still in the world, but we don't have to be part of the world. Yes, we're still to be, supposed to be friends with our friends who are unbelievers in order for us to be able to testify to them, show them the change that God has done in our lives. We're supposed to still have that fellowship. But we're not supposed to be doing the things that we already know that is not holy and pleasing to God. Oh, it's saved by grace, Joe. You put grace here, that makes you saved. Yes, grace is what, kept, is, is what saved you and what will keep you saved is grace. But there is a part of our faith that is called the holy living part. We are called to live a holy life. If you are given the privilege after you accepted Christ to still live in this world, we are called to live a holy life. Because we are Christ's epistles. We are His letter. We are His message. We're just not Christians when we die. Some of us were okay with that. All right, when I die, okay, share the gospel in my funeral. Okay? Make sure... Oh, while we're living, while we're still healthy, while we can, we're supposed to do it. We should be working as hard on, on sharing the gospel or living a holy life as hard as we make money. Because some of us, we work a lot of hours trying to make money. Amen? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I guess it's just me. No. no, but we do. We work hard. We wake up early in the morning to go to work to we, to, so that we could be at work on time, right? Some of us, we, we, we take a shower and we, some of us, I said, some of us, we take a shower and we look good for our clients or our appointments and we make our appointments on time, correct? We are very diligent with our work. Everything, when it comes to money, we are there, we know what to do, but when it comes to God, oh, I, I, I forgot, I forgot today's the men's breakfast. Oh, I forgot today's the women's uh, ministry. Oh, I forgot tonight's the youth meeting. What? We forget. We tend to be forgetful when it comes to God. We tend to be relaxed when it comes to going to church on time. Because we say, oh, I can worship God anywhere. That's true. You can worship God anywhere. But their church, if you were called to a church, that's where you need to be. And that's God's time that you need to be starting. I'm so legalistic. I sound so legalistic. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not. You're saved by grace. You don't go to church, you're saved by grace. You don't grow, but you're saved. You don't go on time, you're still saved. So I'm not legalistic. I'm telling you, I'm challenging you, as God challenges us through Paul and his letters to live, live a holy and pleasing life for God. Because that's how we are to be a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. We can only do it through the Holy Spirit. So if you said that you accepted Christ as your Lord, right? The Holy Spirit entered you. And He resides in you. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity is now residing in you. So you mean to tell me you mean to tell me that the powerful, the third person, cannot change you? The thing is, you don't want him to change you. You still want to live that life that you are so used to. To approach problems the way you used to. That's what it is. Because it says here, Paul, going back to 2 Corinthians, you show speaking to the believers in Corinth, you showed that you are Christ's letter. 
delivered by us. Not written with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Now every time, I don't know why, but ever since I, I, I met Brother Richard, and he tackles Greek words and stuff, I feel compelled to do the same thing, because I think it's a great idea. You know, I think it's great. Epistole is the, the original language for epistle. And it only means a written message, a letter. We are God's written letter to the world. We are that. And it says earlier about known, so the world will know. The known word is anaginosko, to distinguish between or to recognize, to know accurately or to acknowledge. The world sees the epistle letters you and they get to know who your God is. They get to know or to distinguish your faith compared to theirs. Now, if your life doesn't show any difference, you're just making fun of the name of Christ, especially when you wear that shirt, Saved by Grace. We're good in wearing those things, right? We're good with those plate numbers that we have, with those stickers in our cars. We're good with our Facebook posts. But our lives, when we get challenged, it's when we fail. We fail, unfortunately. That's why the message of Christ right now is so watered down. That's why the church is such a joke. That's why there's not real Christians now. I say real. Because we're talking about imposters, right? There are people that think they are believers. They're truly convinced that they are. But they still live like Satan six days a week. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm not speaking from my high horse, church. I go through my challenges too, day in and day out. The challenge is, it's always there. It could be anger for me. It could be rage for me. I shared to you when I wanted to lie about my registration. Well, there are those little things and big things that we tackle day in and day out. But the one thing that we need to be truly aware of is that what we do with our life and how we do it and how we approach it, it's not how if we can get away with it. It's who's watching us. We should be aware on who's watching us because our testimony for God, because we carry His name, that's what we need to be worried about. Now, don't be worried about getting caught because you probably will be. Because if God really loves you, He will let you get caught so you learn your lesson. Do we agree? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. Those who are called according to His purpose. Romans 8.28 Now we see Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit and you surrender to the moving of the Holy Spirit, and if you feed the Holy Spirit by reading your word, if you feed the Holy Spirit by learning, by coming to church, doing Bible studies, reading your devotions, again, that's not a list to do. No, those are not a list to do. Those are the things that you should be compelled, that you should be driven because you want to learn, you want to know. A friend of mine told me, because I was admiring, I was admiring how he knows how to do so many things. Because I knew him when we were, where you, we were younger, and all we, we knew was like to pick up people's plates and give them gla a glass of water because we were both busboys. But now he knows so many things. He's an electrician. He, he can install cameras and all that stuff. And, I, and he tells me, you can learn this too. You just don't want to. That, is that the truth? We can learn things if we want to. I think that's why you became a nurse, Atalea. It's because you wanted to be a nurse. So you took the time to study. And the same goes for everybody. You are in the profession that you are in because you decided that you wanted to do that. Either it's the drive was money or the title or the craft itself. But you took the time to learn. So it's not a list of things for you to do. It's not a burden for you to learn those things because you want to do that. So it should be the same thing when it comes to our faith. We should be wanting. We should be wanting. If you're not wanting to come to church, there's something wrong. If you're not wanting to improve in your faith, there's something wrong. 
If you're not wanting to learn more about Christ, there's something wrong. Those are the things that when you fall in love with someone, those are the things that you want to know. You want to know more of them. You want to be with them. You sing songs for them, right? You have those love songs, right? For your girlfriends before. You got your theme songs. I'm not even going to try to sing mine. It says here, Holy Spirit, new heart. Ezekiel 11.19, I will give them integrity of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will remove their heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh. God already telling us of the coming of the new covenant. And again on 36.26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. If you accepted Christ as your Lord, the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. A heart of stone is what Moses, that's why Moses gave the divorce decree. That's why Jesus said, when they said, well, Moses gave the, the divorce decree. And Jesus said, because you, heart, you had a heart of stone. Because if you have a new heart from receiving Christ as your Lord, it's not like you, got, you had a new heart physically. No, your heart becomes now all about for the Lord. But there's going to be a lot of unlearning for us to do. It just doesn't happen overnight. The new heart is ready for you, but you need to be feeding. You need to be learning. Romans 6, 1-5, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? This is for us believers who thinks that we can stay in our lifestyle of sin and justify it with that. It says here, absolutely not, Paul says. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Ask yourself, if you are still living the same way, if you are not really feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit when you're sinning, you're still doing the same thing that you used to do when you were away from God, you have to ask yourself, why? Why am I feeling okay to do this? Why am I not feeling convicted? Because, frankly, you should be feeling convicted. The Holy Spirit only whispers. The Holy Spirit whispers. The Holy Spirit is so gentle. He whispers. He reminds us. He nudges us. He doesn't really push us. Sometimes I wish he did. Just hit me upside my head. Especially when I'm doing something wrong. Especially if I'm about to do something really stupid. I really wish that the Holy Spirit would just slap me. You know? And I'll know, oh, that's the Holy Spirit stopping me from doing this stupid thing. Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? See? This is the thing. We have to know this. If you already know this, praise God. I hope you're living it too. Now, when we accepted Christ, we were dead to our old self. The old is gone, the new has come. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. In order that as just Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. In newness of life. That's, that's where we, most of us fail. That's where most of, our, of the Christian church now fails. There was a survey that was done about a lot of Christians that were attending certain, certain churches. And then 85% of them, strong people that believe that they are believers, are committing adultery. And they said, you know, 8 out of 10 in the uh, Ten Commandments, that's 80%. I get a passing grade. That was their reason. We think God will just wink at those things for us. We've missed the part of our Christianity, the holy part. We've neglected that. We've watered down that part. There is a need to change our life. Not because we want to be saved, because that wasn't why we were saved. Not because we need to keep... Uh, Stay saved because there's no way that you can lose your salvation. 
but it's the newness of life because we are Christ's letter. We are the letter of Christ to the world. We are his message to the world. And our life is the proof. That's why the title is Show Me Your Proof. Show me your proof. Now it's not, it's not like I'm here pointing fingers at you and saying you're not showing it. I know you're not showing it. <laughs> right? We're not doing that. We're not doing that. But as a pastor, as a pastor, I have to know where your maturity is in order for me to be able to minister to you the proper way. Do we agree? How would you like to go to the doctor and you tell the doctor what he needs to do to you? <laughs> Look, doctor, I Googled this already. I need you to give me this, this, and that. All right? I, I saw it. I know it. I watched, I watched the uh, Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> ER. I saw ER this episode. I think that's what I have. Okay? I need you to write me that. You, is that. Some were laughing, but you know what? That's what we do at church. Yeah, that's what we do at church. That's what we do to God. Lord, listen, I got this problem, and this is how you're going to solve it. I need you to take her out, just right now. Take her out. <laughs> take her out of my life, of my life. Take her out of my life, and I'll be good. Change my daughter, and I'll be happy. Remove my daughter, and I'll be happy. Right? That's, we don't say those ridiculous things. But somehow, our heart attitude, most of the time, is how we pray to God. We So we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. We have to live the resurrected life of Christ. We have to live that new part of us. We have to. In response to our love relationship with him. It's in response, not our responsibility. It's in response to the love relationship that he has done for us. When we say Christ died on the cross, we take that for granted because we heard it so much. I know of this couple. The husband says to the wife, because the, 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 the dad of the husband is overseas, okay? He's in overseas, in a different country. So the husband goes, if my dad dies, if my dad dies, I think I should go alone. Because, you know, traveling there is expensive and he doesn't want to make it into a vacation. The wife goes, you really don't want me to, you really don't want to take me on vacation anyway. I knew it. You really didn't want me to take on, you really didn't want me to take me. You just want to go by yourself so you can party with your friends and your cousins there. <laughs> it became about other, another thing. Instead of the heavy statement of when my dad dies, Christ died on the cross for our sins. But we make it about something else. We make it about our retirement plan. We make it about our, our marriage we make it about a career. Everything seems to be more important than the real thing. Christ died on the cross for your sins and mine. Yes, God says, ask and I will give it to you. Yes. But how would you like it if you're a parent of somebody who only calls you when they need something? But I know, right? They're out there. That's how I was with my dad. <laughs> That's why he stopped picking up. <laughs> he knows $600 will go out every time he picks up my call because I need rent money. <laughs> and that's the only time I call him. Some of us, our relationship with our, with our Father in heaven is the same way. We only talk to him when we need something. And we're already in trouble. Right? Because we haven't given up the old life and then we wonder, why am I suffering, Lord? And the obvious reason, or the obvious answer is there, but we want, we're very good in ignoring it. Because we're so good in blaming other people. I don't want to go to church because they're full of hypocrites. <laughs> the church is full of hypocrites. 
It's true, right? That's why we're saved by grace. All of us here, we've been a hypocrite or still a hypocrite about one thing or another. Do we agree? But nobody here claims to be perfect. We are only perfect because Christ is perfect. Christ, God the Father sees Christ's perfection in us. But what, what do we say? When we offend a brother or a sister, because we're good to offend another person, right? Because we're not perfect. But we're forgiven, so we need to be forgiving. Yes, we are a bunch of hypocrites. But praise God for God's grace. Amen? Amen. Amen. New life equals dead to sin. So if we say we have a new heart, we, have, we should have a new life. When we say we have a new life, we're talking about, we're talking about not sin. We should be saying we should be dead to sin. We should be removing that. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. Some of us haven't mentally even pictured this. And our life shows it. Because we still do the things that we enjoy. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless. So we may no longer be enslaved to sin. The sin that we used to commit, we were, we ha- without the Holy Spirit, it was, it's hard. It's hard for you to resist. It was a, just another thing for you to do. But being a new creation, you are now, you have now the power of the Holy Spirit in you to access, to resist committing sin. May it be gambling, may it be that movie that you like to watch that is like committing adultery. It could be wanting to be married to someone else who's also married. Those things. You have the power now. The Holy Spirit will enable you to resist. Since a person who has died is freed from sin. It says there. A person who has died is freed from sin. Right? A, a dead person can no longer commit sin. Correct? It's the same thing with us. When we accepted Christ as our Lord, we crucified our old self on the cross. So it should be dead. Granted that it's not still. Because we struggle. We struggle. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. If Christ resurrected from the dead three days after being buried, and he showed himself to 500 plus people, and lives up to now, he has that power, don't you think the Holy Spirit that is in you cannot empower you to resist sin? Some of us, your answer is in your life and how you live your life. Your answer to that is no, he can't. If you're still sinning, then your, your answer was no, he can't. He can't change me. He can't change you if you don't want to be changed. Because he has given you that freedom. After accepting Christ, he has given us that freedom. Before that, we, everything that we do, even praying to him, we're all wrong. The only prayer that we can hear that he heard was our prayer of repentance. It says here, death no longer rules over him, over Christ. For death he died, he died to sin once for all time, but life he lives, he lives to God. Christ lives for God. Right? When, he was, when he, lo- he got lost in the temple, and then his step-parents got him, and Jesus told them, the young Jesus told them, don't you know that I'm supposed to be about my father's business? He was supposed to be about his father's business. If you are a believer, we are supposed to be about our father's business. Are you? New life equals dead to sin. Romans 6.11 So you too... Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are dead to sin. Amen? I know it's hard. 
the Christian life, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Christian life is impossible. It's impossible. There's no way that you can do it. There's no way. But through the power of God, the Holy Spirit that is in us, we can do it. Amen? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's it. That's the only thing. The problem is we could care less because we're saved by grace already. I'll still live my party life. I'm not going to let go of this. Why? It's fun. And then we get sick. We get sick and we say, Lord, why did I get sick? Why do I have cancer? Well, you lived that life. Or I tried to tell you not to live that way. Lord, I have an unwanted... My marriage now is in debacle because... Well, I told you not to commit adultery. But you like doing it, so now there. Now you're, you lost your family. Now you have a, a child support that you need to worry about for the next 18 years. See? <laughs> for men, that's what really hurts, is the child support. <laughs> that's when they get them like, oh man, I screwed up. Because then they find out it's $800 a month. Like, oh man, I could have been a Mercedes Benz. They could care less of having <laughs> an outside child. It's the child support that bought. It's the money. The pocket really hurt them. The morality of it. Right? Christ, God gives us all these things. God is not a boring God. God doesn't tell us all these the not do so that we will be bored. He's protecting us. He's protecting us. Those guardrails in the patio with the nice city view must have guardrails or else you'll fall. It's not telling you, don't enjoy the view. No, the guardrails are there to protect you from falling and dying or hurting yourself. It's the same thing with these commands. So we're not supposed to be sinning anymore because it will hurt us. It will hurt us. It will hurt the testimony that we carry. We will serve as a stumbling block instead of a stepping stone to Christ. Christ tells us, you know, gambling is, is there, right? Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's goods. But we, some of us, we love to gamble. And then we have financial problem. Or then we have to work more hours because we lost money. And then we say, I don't know why I'm so tired, Pastor. <laughs> we have to work. I always have to work. Well, because you always gamble. That's why you don't have enough money for everything. Right? I mean, those are certain things. Some, some things that are so simple for us to identify, but because sin makes us callous. Sin makes us callous that we think. The enemy makes us think that we're getting away with it. You know, he thinks he's getting away with it. When you're committing adultery and you're not getting busted and it's been going on for three months and you're like, man, I'm good at this. I'm getting away. But the enemy is just letting you, you know, in Tagalog, pinapadama ka lang yan. He's just baiting you. He's baiting you for the biggest fall that you're, you're about to get. And then, boom, you get busted. Financial trouble, marital problems, you lost your love of your children, you lost the respect of people, and then you're miserable. And you also lost your girlfriend. Because now you're broke. <laughs> because that's why she liked you, because you had money. But then now you're broke, because you had to go, go through divorce, everything's 50-50. <laughs> Right? We think we're getting away. But we're really not. That's why God says, consider yourselves dead to sin. Because we are, have to be alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Alive in God. Alive, not dead in Christ. Alive. So our life should be about Him and for Him. We should be moving for Him. We should be serving Him. We should be doing something for Him. Our lives should be for Him. A healthy person is moving, correct? Yes, you should say yes. A healthy person can move. A healthy person can do anything. A healthy person can jump, run, walk here, you know, do push-ups. But an unhealthy person is limited. An unhealthy person can barely get up the bed. So it's the same thing with our spiritual life. 
if you are healthy spiritually, he can do all these things without even worrying, without even thinking about it. But if you're unhealthy, coming up, getting up of your bed to go to church is a challenge. Even if God is already giving you challenges in your life, and it's still a challenge for you to pray. Because you're unhealthy. You're so callous in your, in your walk. You're like, oh, who cares? Lord, just make this plane crash. So I won't fall when I go to the Philippines. Some of us, we just want to resign in life so we won't, we'll stop sinning. But that's not what God wants. God wants us to live for Him. Amen? He saved us so we can live our lives for Him, to glorify Him. Right? For God prepared it in advance for us to do. We need to be living a life that is glorifying to God. 2 Corinthians 3.2, it says, You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone, distinguished between, recognized. Right? They could recognize the change in us. They could see that the God in us is different. They could see that our approach in certain things is different on how they approach it. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Therefore, do not let your sin, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Because when you sin, one sin will lead to another. And another, and another, and another, and another. You snowball. You snowball. That used to happen to me a lot. Snowball. It's a snowball effect. It starts from one this and this, and then and it becomes so much easier to sin. And do not offer any parts of, of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, meaning your bodies, our mortal body, should not be given to sin. Because it will now become a weapon of unrighteousness instead of it for righteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God. Have you done this mentally? Have you tried to even picture this? Lord, I'm offering my life to you. Or is it just a nice line in a song? Lord, I offer my life to you. And you start crying. And that's as far as you'll get. And then you walk out and do the same thing. Nope, I'm not going to live my life. I offer there. But here, it's all mine again. It's my world again. I'm the God again of my life. We need to offer our lives from the dead. Offer yourself to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. Weapons for righteousness. Why? Because there's a battle out there. In a battle, you need weapons. The thing is, us believers now, we're so, our swords are so dull. For some of us, we don't even know we have a sword. Oh, I have a sword. Some of us were like, oh, I'm in a war. I'm in a battle. We're so clueless because we enjoyed, we wanted to just be babies with our bottles and baby diapers. That's as far as Christianity as you got. You, you stayed in a nursery room. Well, there's a battle. There's so many battles to, to win out there. There's so many souls to fight for. Weapons of righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. This is the biggest lie that we fall into. We think we're still under the law for most of us. Oh, I sinned. I sinned. No, I lost my salvation. I can't go to church. I should stop going to church. No, you're saved by grace. You should get up. When you sin, when you fall, you should get up because God is waiting for you to get up. Because grace has paid, Jesus has paid for it all. The thing is, we like to stay down. It's good that you feel guilty when you sin. I'm not going to say, don't feel guilty. No, feel the guilt. Feel bad. Because you displease God. But pick yourself up from that. There's nothing in the Bible, there's nowhere in the Bible that says forgive yourself. Oh, Lord, help me forgive myself. Some prayer are like that. Why? Why do you need to forgive yourself? Who are you? God of the universe has already forgiven you when you accepted Christ as Lord. So why do you need to forgive yourself? So you're, you have higher standards than God? 
Some of us, we think we do. Because we can't forgive ourselves. I can't forgive myself. I've done it again. I keep doing it over and over and over again. But Christ said, I paid for it. God said, I've already forgiven you. But we like to stay in that rut. Pick yourself back up. If you are truly repentant of your sin, it's time to get up and live for Christ. Amen? Amen. A life glorifying to God. We know these, right? If you've, if you've been a part of this church forever, this is, you, you know Pastor Jewish is about to close. With Luke 9.23 and Galatians 2.20. I am also about to close. As you look at that, I want to read to you the message part of Galatians 2.20. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God. And it didn't work. So I quit being a quote-unquote lawman so that I could be a God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with Him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going back. I am not going to go back on that. That's Galatians 2.20's message. Luke 9.23's message, up to 27. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Did you get that? Anyone who wants to come after Jesus, we have to let him lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am, Jesus speaking. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me. And I'll show you. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? If any of you is embarrassed with me and the way I'm leading you, know that the Son of Man will be far more embarrassed with you when he arrives in all his splendor in company with the Father and the holy angels. This isn't, this isn't, you realize, pie in the sky by and by. Some who have taken their stand right here are going to see it happen. See with their own eyes the kingdom of God. That's up to verse 27. Romans 8, 5, 8. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on things of the flesh. So don't be surprised. If, you, if your focus, though you accepted Christ as your Lord, but though your focus is still you and about you, your life is going to be about that. If it's all about the flesh, then yes. If it's all about the world, then that's the result. You will, you will sow what you reap. Or is it reap what you sow? Is it reap what you sow? There you go. I know it. See, I'm Filipino. I always do these things. <laughs> now the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. So do you have the spirit? If you do, it's life and peace. But some of us, again, we're not feeding the spirit. So the flesh is still the one that overrules us. The sin still is, is dominating us because we haven't fed the new nature that's in us. We need to be, we need to do that. We need to feed the Holy Spirit. We need to equip ourselves reading the Bible, doing Bible studies, taking the time to pray, fellowship. We need to do it or else we're still going to be about the world and our fleshy desires. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God. Because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do, to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Sin, when you're committing sin, please don't kid yourself. You are not pleasing God. 
Sin does not please God. And we are called to live a holy, holy and blameless life, pleasing to God. Galatians 6, 8, and I'll close with this. I think I'll close with this because I know I added two more. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. The fruit of a person's life, their words and their actions, reveals who, who is and who is not a true disciple of Jesus. A believer's actions must match his or her profession. Only surrender to the Holy Spirit can guarantee our motives to be pleasing to God. Because the human heart is deceitful and it's wicked. That's in Jeremiah 17.9. In Romans 8.5.8, this position controlled by sin not only leads to ultimate death, it is death now. This position controlled by the Spirit is life and peace now and for eternity. Church, we are saved by grace. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord, you are saved from the fires of hell. But God has a plan for us. God has a plan for you. And His plan for us is to prosper us, not to harm us. plans to give us hope in the future. That's His plan for us. But if we are going to live a disobedient life, God can't bless us. I mean, He still can. And some of us, we still experience His blessings though we're sinning. But we're not getting the ultimate blessing. We're not living the ultimate plan that He has for us. That's the problem. Now, do you want to live a mediocre Christian life versus the life that God has designed for you? Now, that is not a bed of roses life. That is a life of many challenges and trials. And I'm guessing you probably already know that. That's why you don't want to live that life. But the thing is, that's a life that nothing in this world can compare to. A life, an obedient life, a surrendered life to Christ cannot be matched by anything that this world can offer. Amen? And the only way you can find out if you start living that life too. I can't paint a picture for you. The Bible can. Read it. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message tonight, Lord God. Father, I, I know it's a heavy message, Lord. It's heavy for me. But Lord, I know that you said in your word that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. And you said in your word, Lord God, that apart from you, we can do nothing. You said, Lord God, if, we, if I remain in you, and you in me, we can do all things, Lord. Bear much fruit, Father. Father, help us, Lord, to remain in you. Father, remind us, Lord God, that we can't do it without you. Father, we thank you for your love that you've shown, Lord God, through your Son, dying on the cross for us, to die for our sins. And knowing, Lord God, that uh, experiencing now that we still... We still fall. Even though we already have you, we still fall. We're, sometimes we're still so, so weak. Father, thank you for your grace. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you strengthen everyone that's here tonight. Strengthen them, Lord God, to be able to resist temptations. The temptation and the trial that they kept folding to. Father, help them. Give all of us, Lord God, the discernment and the wisdom, Father, to know what to do and what not to do, what to say and what not to say at those times, Lord. Father, I pray for blessings for everyone that's here tonight. Bless them, Lord God, once they finally obey you, Lord God, and surrender their lives to you completely to be used as weapons for righteousness, Father. May they be willing to be used as weapons for righteousness. May they be willing, Lord God, to be a part of the battle that you, Lord God, given us the privilege to be a part of. Lord, forgive us for the times that we've failed you. But Lord God, praise you for the grace that you've given us. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That was a message from First International. You can access more by visiting our Facebook page, facebook.com slash FICF Reno.